I'm Ananda. And I'm Jope. And you are now listening to the Blue Record Podcast. Yeah. Check it. Yeah. We in this together. A Spelmanite is a warrior fighting for justice. We can never be silent, so yeah, we causing no ruckus. Lift our voices up to bring injustice down. Speaking truth to power. We loving the sound, undaunted by the fight, love is all we need. It's time to clear out the air so we all can breathe. Ain't no stopping us, we stick together. This bond is gonna last forever, marching every day until we free. That's our buried treasure. Today we have a very special guest joining me and Ananda. We have Tasha Walters here today. Tasha, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi everyone. My name is Tasha Walters. I currently serve as the Director of Public Relations for the Blue Record Podcast, the best podcast ever. Um, Yeah. Tell us your major. Give us the whole Spelman intro. Okay. My <laughs> name is Tasha Walters. I'm a senior, oh, graduating senior. Yeah, yeah. Studies Period. major, cultural studies concentration, photography minor from mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. Yay! Yay! So glad that you're joining us today, Tasha. I want to know, how are you doing? It's time for the mental health check. I'm doing pretty well. Um, after this, I'm going to go pack to go home to see my family. So very excited for that. I'm doing well. How are y'all doing? Well, Ananda is a bit tired, but for good reason. Uh, the first half of my spring break was spent with the Quarterman Kellers scholars. Um, we did a really, really wonderful trip talking about reparations and just learning about different aspects of Black Angola culture and it's it was amazing it was amazing i'm very glad that i went however i am a bit fatigued but i think it's it's definitely worth it ditto i also went on the quarterman keller spring break experience we were in savannah and hilton head it was so nice to be on the beach to connect with the ancestors and meet black folks who are healing generational curses so it was so exciting super enriching and now that we're back we literally got back like maybe two three hours ago feeling a little tired but i'm excited to hear your story tasha absolutely in this episode we'll be talking about what it's like to be at spellman during a pandemic which yes we've been in a pandemic since 2020. In fact, our one year anniversary of leaving campus was on March 6th for spring break. Do y'all remember that? That is so wild to think about. So wild to think about. It's been two years since we left. Absolutely chaotic. Chaotic. And I think, was lockdown official on like March 13th or Friday the 13th, something like that? Something like that. Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, a horrific yeah. day. Yes. And then this academic year is the first one since March 6th that all of Spelman's population, for the most part, 
has been in person on campus. So there's a lot of interesting dynamics that are brought in from there. There's a lot of stigma surrounding COVID-19, especially about contracting it. Um, yeah. Like, on, like you said, Ananda, there's a lot of stigmas around contracting COVID-19. And, you know, we're trying our hardest to be as safe as possible. We have the testing going on. Students get N95 masks. We try our best to social distance. And, you know, we're doing our best. But there is a lot of stigma on campus. Um, when it comes to COVID, you know, students have to disappear for a while in quarantine. And I've heard like in some of the dorm halls, when t students have to quarantine, it's a, it's a big deal. Lots of things are racing through students' minds like, oh my gosh. Um, I don't know if I'll also get COVID too. Some people can be really problematic and be super judgmental and shameful. Others can be really compassionate and concerned. But, you know, at Spelman during this time, we're, there's so many different opinions in the atmosphere. Yeah, and something that's shown to be difficult is balancing this idea of safety you know, t taking the steps that we can to protect ourselves from COVID, to reduce our chances of getting COVID, while also being compassionate and caring about our peers who do get COVID. So as Jope and I talked about a little bit, the stigma, of course, it's supposed to have this function of like trying to get people to do right so that we don't get COVID. But at the same time, this is what a pandemic is. People are going to get it. We can do what we can to reduce our chances of getting it, but how do we treat the people who do end up contracting COVID for whatever reason? I think that's a big part of what this episode is going to be about. So with all of that, I wanted y'all's opinions and thoughts on what the COVID scenario setup landscape is in Atlanta, in the AUC, and at Spelman. Well, the first word that pops in my mind specifically for Spellman is like mystified. <laughs> um, it's very like everyone's aware that it's there, but we're not really talking about it in the ways that we should be. And we're sometimes talking about it in the ways like they all said it's very problematic. Um, and then in Atlanta, when I went home last year for COVID at the beginning of the pandemic, or I guess it was two years ago, oh, gosh, they all blend together. Um, and seeing how people in Atlanta were still out maskless, partying, almost like it didn't even exist was really mind boggling to me a little bit. So, um, yeah, I would say it's very, there's a wide, wide spectrum of the way that people look at and treat the COVID pandemic here in Atlanta and at Spelman. I agree. Anytime I'm out in Atlanta, and also I think this <laughs> this goes for um, Ananda when we were in South Carolina and in Savannah. Um, people are not masked up. I think also Atlanta, I think some people may just believe and act like the pandemic is over. Um, whenever I go out, masks are very much optional even if like a store 
or space has a mass required policy. So at this point, I think people are over it and yeah, no mass, no mass, at least outside of campus. When it comes to Spelman, I am excited that our college, I feel like there's less anxiety about gathering. And now that we know how to navigate some of these situations where we wanna gather, they're allowing us to have more events um, and participate in more traditions that we had in the past, which is exciting. Um, I feel like also I can navigate COVID with more information and ease. At the top of the pandemic, COVID um, was so terrifying um, because so many people were dying. So many people were suffering. You know, those rates um, are still there. But in this space now, I feel like there's a high chance. I'm a, I'm a recover. There's a life after COVID. So, yeah, in a sense for me, it's becoming more and more normalized. Like you get COVID, you quarantine, you keep going. You stay safe, put on a mask, and you keep going. Yeah, and I think that within the AUC specifically, as a community, COVID has done a lot of very interesting things to us. Like even thinking um, physically, tangibly, the back gate to Spelman isn't open and the gate that's right across from, right across from it at Clark is closed um, in the name of COVID. And that's led to a lot of issues, specifically safety issues for Spelmanites, because now we're locked out of the campuses that we would normally use to walk through in order to get to the library. There's no visitation. So that I have heard has ended up in very interesting and sometimes sneaky endeavors <laughs> in the dorms. Mm-hmm. Um, ask your friends. I'm not going <laughs> to. ask your friends about that but yeah the AUC has had a the AUC as a whole as a community has had a really hard time dealing with the lack of lack of easy moving back and forth between the campuses there's also it's also just kind of weird it just it just feels weird between the three campuses altogether it's led led to a rise I think in different issues with public safety, as far as students being spoken to in very disrespectful ways by public safety. A lot of students have gotten into different forms of confrontation because people just need to get from A to B. Even though like, like the, the, the whole AUC is our campus. Like, yes, we're enrolled in this school and that school, but it's the Atlanta University Center Consortium. Like we're here together. So with COVID, there's been this very weird way in which COVID safety or even public safety has started to translate into this rigidity and separation between the the campuses. Mm. Yeah, Ananda, I feel like also public safety has been a pandemic that predates um, COVID-19. Because I remember the gate like my sophomore year, always being close to Clark. Like, mm-hmm. it would be just so nice to walk over there. So when I think of public safety, I think about policing. Um, <laughs> so there's That's what that. it is. You also reminded me during the, um, during the pandemic also now, 
there's a lot of anxiety and threat to our safety. Um, in January, the start of the new year, Spelman got bomb threats. And, you know, yeah. those bomb threats continued to um, terrorize us throughout Black History Month. So students not only have anxieties and so many valid reasons for not wanting to come back on campus now, um, but you know we're also thinking about how anti-blackness, not only when it comes to COVID, but anti-blackness when it comes to terrorism intermingle and create a very unsafe, dangerous, and traumatic environment for students. Um, during the time of the bomb threat, uh, I was very thankful for the professors who wanted to do hybrid education, um, hybrid learning in classes. Uh, I understand that every teacher is not equipped to do that, but I feel like hybrid learning, we've talked about it time and time and time again, but it becomes so necessary, especially after all these different breaks. There was anxiety around winter break, there's going to be more anxiety around spring break. Everyone's traveling, returning home, going out of the country. So I also want to just say that hybrid learning is so important. And sometimes returning to campus can be a very unsafe and hostile place. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that joke. To bring it back to our discussion of COVID in particular, I wanted to ask about everyone in this digital spaces experiences with COVID-19. Job, you can start us off. Ooh, in the digital space? What, what do you mean by that? Our experience in the Oh, I meant just like every, I would say everyone in this room, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but we're not in a room. We are in a digital space. <laughs> oh, okay. But, like, <laughs> like, I like what's every, how has everybody experienced COVID? Yeah. Like on social media or online? Or? Just, just in general in life. Like, like, <laughs> like if you've had COVID, if you know folks who've had COVID, like how have you navigated COVID? Like life with this pandemic. Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. So for me, I haven't contracted COVID-19, but I've had several family members, friends who have gotten COVID. Um, so when I was at home in Detroit, you know, Michigan has some of the highest rates. For me, I was there at home trying my hardest to attend to my family members making sure that I was calling them, feeding them every single day, especially during the holidays when it could be so isolating. I also try my hardest to show up for friends um, and get tested. But I also, I, I just harbor lots of anxiety around like, oh, I don't want to get COVID. And I've recently become at peace like, okay, go. If you get COVID, you'll be okay, and you'll recover, and you'll stay safe, and life will go on. Mm. See, I have yet to arrive at that. I'm still very much in panic mode. I feel like only recently have I been comfortable entering the world in general with the threat of COVID. Like there, before, like maybe mid 2021, there were times where I would take very occasional 
time outside of my home now I've started to get back into this whole okay I'm gonna survive I'll be okay I'll wear two masks I'll wear a KN95 I'll wear a surgical mask and a KN95 or I'll wear two KN95s I don't know I am still very very much terrified of COVID uh, one of my really good friends contracted COVID recently uh, then Tasha who's another one of my really good friends contracted COVID it was very scary um, and I had family members to contract COVID and pass. And even with the pan, even though I haven't gotten COVID and hopefully I don't, COVID has really changed everything about my life. I think that like, because even, even with the pandemic, things are still happening. Like folks are still, folks are still moving. People are still getting hurt. People are still getting sick. And with COVID, there's so much restriction about around what you can do about that. Of course, there's hope with the vaccines and everything like that, but this virus has just been scary. And every time we think we know something, something changes. So COVID, I believe, has, for me, been this lasting, just very, very scary and difficult to navigate experience. Hmm. So... At the beginning of the pandemic, when I was at home, DC was pretty good about having high vaccination rates. Um, and it was fairly accessible to get a vaccine, although due to the very stark segregation and polarization of the city that's happening through gentrification, um, it's been a little bit hard and there's been a lot of discussion surrounding the inequities um, throughout the COVID pandemic. But thankfully, I was able to get a vaccine and it was not even a question of like uh when it was just like when i could do it it was just like when i was able to do it when i was able to get a um an appointment because being at home most of my family is at risk there's everyone in my family is basically over 60 like including my parents and my mother and uh, my grandmother, who I would see very, very often, was undergoing chemo. So it was very important to be hyper vigilant and um, take as take um, the least amount of risk as possible when going outside. Um, and so I was very, very scared. I was, had a lot of anxiety surrounding myself and surrounding others because at some point it became like not even what happens to me if I can contract COVID. Like what happens to my family? And uh, my mother was like a huge caretaker for my grandmother, still is. But um, like we live in the same house and like my house doesn't really have like that many spaces where I could quarantine or where somebody could quarantine. So that was the biggest fear. And then coming back to Atlanta again, as I had said before, it was very scary to see people treating COVID as if it didn't exist. Um, so I was nervous then. And then my roommate um, was also unvaccinated for a very long time. Um, we had discussed before moving in and she had said that she would get vaccinated uh, like immediately when she got here. The reason she had not been vaccinated was because her family's attitude and opinion surrounding it. Um, but she remained unvaccinated for a long time. Um, I contracted COVID in October Sadly, literally the one day I chose to go to homecoming events <laughs> out of the whole week, 
it was Thursday. I was like, I don't have classes on Friday. Let me see if I can salvage any homecoming spirit. And I did. I went out only for a little bit. I got overstimulated, <laughs> but I contracted COVID at an event and um, a lot of other people at that event also contracted COVID. Um, and so it was very awkward. One, like navigating who I was going to tell. I mean, obviously I have to tell people, um, specifically the people I was with. I was very hyper vigilant about that. I informed everyone after I got tested um but you know like do I tell people I got COVID I felt myself being really embarrassed and ashamed of contracting it considering how hypervigilant I had been I hadn't gone out I hadn't done social life um like I usually had <laughs> I was like I don't really have a social life let's be honest but like I didn't Tasha <laughs> you had a social life you was like yes year, you're not really but okay. um, like senior year you know everyone's like it's senior year also we weren't on campus last year like let's go out let's make new friends and I had been very wary of doing that um because from time to time I would go back home and I would see family um and then also my roommates unvaccinated like it's one thing if I catch it having two vaccinations but it's one thing if I give it to her and she's unvaccinated um, so I found myself being ashamed and embarrassed. So I would tell people I had the flu, mm. but at a certain point, I was out of school for a month. Like at a certain point, the flu is not a valid excuse anymore. And, um, so then like two months removed, I was able to be like, yeah, you know, I contracted COVID. It's, it's far, it's enough time has passed where I feel like people won't give me like the evil eye about like being near them again. Um, because I felt as though like, even if like two to three weeks had passed post me getting my negative test, people would still be like, oh, <laughs> please get away from me, you know? Um, so now I don't have, I'm not, I'm not positive anymore, obviously, but um COVID, the long haul symptoms were, those are real. <laughs> those are real. But that has been my personal experience with COVID. Mm, thank you so much, Tasha, for sharing. I have a question about um, something that you were talking about towards the end. But what are, if you don't mind me asking, what are some of the long haul symptoms that you experienced? So yes, the long haul symptoms immediately after getting my negative test, I technically only was positive with COVID for about a week after contracting it. I was cleared um, by the wonderful CVS pharmacy up the street from me. And um, after that, I still did not feel able to like get out of bed. I would still be out of breath going from my room to like the communal kitchen in my apartment with my roommate. And that's, mind you, estimating here. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not speaking. <sighs> yes. So long haul symptoms. My main long haul symptoms were the fatigue and um, the ability to breathe. I would be out of breath for probably about a week and a half after being negative um, from going from my room to the kitchen, which is a very, very, very short walk. Um, and I would have to stand there for a minute trying to catch my breath before being able to do what I was supposed to be doing in the kitchen. And I have to do that again on my way back. 
sleeping some days I would sleep probably close to 18 hours a day just because I couldn't I couldn't do anything else the mental fog the brain fog um from all the sleeping the lack of breathing (laughs) um the lack of going outside um is very real um so I would say I would say those were my main issues for sure for long haul symptoms and how was it um returning back to Spelman after dealing with the brain fog, the um, isolation and getting out of breath. How did you, how did you return back to Spelman and say, I'm about to grind it out, senior year, finish my thesis, all that stuff? Yeah, great question. I was never, ever planning on being out of school for almost a month. I was positive for about a week. So I was expecting I would be out of school for that week. And then I would, you know, maybe come back, maybe take three to four extra days to try and like fully recuperate and get back to get back to as close as like 100% as I could be. But um it was literally the most inopportune time to catch COVID. I will be honest. It wasn't near a break. It wasn't near a easy, skatable part of my coursework. It was deep and thick in the middle of the thesis. <laughs> it was deep in the middle of everything else I was trying to do fall semester. And um, it, that was also just like, again, the anxiety and the shame and the embarrassment of then having to face people face to face. And, you know, like the biggest class I was in was probably 25 people. They still see me like they still know that I'm not in class. Obviously, I don't think people are like checking for me all the time. But, you know, what I mean, I if am. I'm gone for a month and I'm back, people are like, oh, come on, though. <laughs> But, like, if I'm gone for a month and I pop back in randomly to our class, they're like, oh, yeah, you weren't there. (laughs) You know what I mean? So um, coming back, I had a lot of really, really amazing professors who were very understanding throughout the entire process. I was able to communicate with them. um, And, you know, the dean, of course, sends out the notification, like, the student is out when they will be returning. And then the health services will inform your professors of when you're returning but yes I had a couple of teachers amazing they will definitely be getting thank you gifts um thank you for everything that you've done for me thank you graduation gifts um most amazing understanding uh charismatic people I've ever met and then you know you have some professors that are like what do you mean you can't do this (laughs) what do you mean Um, And that was probably the worst part uh, was my thesis. Um, I had missed during my time out, like even during my, during the positive, the positive time of my time out of school, I had missed a fairly important deadline. And I had tried to, you know, not even negotiate, but just try to (laughs) be like, this is what I'm able to do mentally like if you want something that you aren't going to read and be sad that you have to read that this is what I'm going to have I need this time and my thesis professor was not only um not understanding but she was actually fairly 
short with me mm. and at sometimes condescending and rude mm. about it. And again, that added to my shame, like, oh, you like think I'm a bad student because I caught COVID or like you think like I'm not like a like a responsible adult because I caught COVID. I'm not able to keep up with these deadlines. So it just all snowballed. And I'm sure that's not what they meant. <laughs> I'm sure that's I'm sure they were just like, look, I have a lot of theses and I have a lot of things to do as a professor. But um, and I probably could have communicated how I was feeling at that time. But I just felt as if I was being so bothersome to them. I was like, let me not. <laughs> but um, my thesis, my thesis professor was like, yeah, I can give you a 48 hour extension on the overall thesis, like a like a two day extension from the original deadline. If I had been in school for a month, right. I did not turn it in at that two day. I CC'd my advisor. I said, I'm going to need more time. Mm -hmm. And then after all of that, all of the tears, hard work, late nights, um, I had to completely change my entire thesis from a senior paper, first change. Second change, change the entire subject matter of the paper um, in about a week and a half without any help, without any guidance. Um, and that was probably like the darkest moment of my academic matriculation mm. at Spelman. Wow. And um, yeah, for everyone that witnessed that, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It was just such a dark time. And at, a, at the end of it, she, in one frank, one sentence email, she said, Tasha, you will only be able to receive a C for this paper. Oh my gosh. Oh and God. as a person who prides themselves on their academic achievements, yeah. it was so disheartening, but I was so defeated at that point that I was just like, I will accept that. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. And so um, the brain fog was not helpful when trying to bring my wonderful um, plans to existence. Um, but yes, I would say, and I feel like, for there was another person in one of my classes when I returned she was like I know what you're going through I just returned about a week ago and don't let anybody make you feel like you are less than or that you are a bad student or you that you are a bad person for this and I was really nice for someone to say that to me but it was also very sad that we had this conversation like in secret after everyone left the classroom <laughs> because that's sort of like where these conversations happen between people who have had COVID and not in front of other people because god forbid people know that you had COVID and not just like mono or something yeah yeah thank you so much for sharing tasha like your vulnerability and honesty is treasured and appreciated in this space and i remember i remember when you were trying to play catch up around that time and just like even as your friend watching you experience that was disheartening um because i care about you and i really hate that that you know illness which happens because life and pandemic um it or it's not even really the illness itself right like because people could have been more graceful on you we could collectively have a better attitude about the things that will happen in a 
pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Like people get sick in a pandemic. There's only so much that you can do until it's left to chance as to whether or not you get you get the virus. And then it's also chance uh, it's up to chance how your body responds to it. And so with that, we should be collectively as a community, as a society and such far more accommodating. But I think that part of what unfortunately happened with your situation is that like there's this very odd way in which you were blamed for something that you only had so much control over yeah also it was really sad to hear like how much of yourself you had to sacrifice straight out of like you know quarantine in order to get this little paper done like mm, right mm, 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 mm. and like that's the thing and like i remember somebody um one of my friends who was like super amazing throughout the entirety of finals when i was trying to finish this thesis we would be in the study room till four in the morning two starbucks on the table each like just trying to grind this out and um I remember she was like, you're really fighting for your life right now. And like, that's the thing. I feel like I've used that term so casually before. And I feel like I've heard other people use that term so casually before. But I was health wise fighting for my life. I I wasn't at the point of going to the hospital. And I think literally anyone higher power for that every single day. Um, But still, when you're in your bed alone by yourself, and you can't breathe for like 45 seconds. That is so scary. That is so scary. And so for me to go from fighting for my life just in general to then fighting for the rest of my life, my academic life, my career post-grad based off of these grades for what I want to do in the future, that is, it it was really um, hard back to back, straight out the gate. So thank you both listening to me yeah absolutely yeah oh my goodness tasha tasha can you talk to me about like if you if you could write some covid protocols when it comes to students um returning um from getting sick what would you like if there was a policy that spellman could adopt a change that could be made what would you like to see um, I think also, uh, specifically for this, I think it's all really time dependent, but also, as you said, um, how your body reacts. Um, I was very scared. I have sickle cell trait and, um, a huge thing for me is like, I, I pass out super easily. Heat, dehydration, I'm gone. <laughs> so gone. And, um, so staying hydrated was a really huge thing for me. I had I had to get groceries delivered because again I can't go out, and so I had to go and get them. I made sure nobody was on the elevator or nobody was in the hallway before picking up. I had giant like three gallon jugs of water next to my bed, but just like the grace that those teachers gave me, I had to ask for it, but they were so willing to oblige was very helpful. I think allowing students to have an easier path to taking an incomplete, especially if they're in a place where they're, it's not determining whether or not they graduate that semester. 
obviously if I caught COVID and I had been going through the situation this semester, that'd be a little bit awkward and that would be a little bit harder to manage. But um, taking an incomplete, if I had been able to complete my thesis and turn that in by the incomplete deadline of March 15th this, this semester, this would be a very different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that I was able to take incompletes through those wonderfully gracious professors, uh, that that was a very different story. I say, I say this all the time. One of my professors, he actually did grade forgiveness. I did a project instead of a paper for him and he gave me grade forgiveness. Mm. And I was like, that is, I, <laughs> you saved my life. Like I could, I already had two other incompletes. I was still doing this thesis and this really just, that, that really um, healed my heart a little bit um, because that he's like, I've seen you struggling and I've seen you working so hard to manage all of this. And I know that you have a great understanding of this coursework and what I was supposed to teach you. So therefore I will do this one thing for you. Um, but so definitely the academic pressures, relieving that a little bit for students coming back. Also, um, I know they've been out of school, but it's for good reason. <laughs> um, allowing them to maybe have one extra sick day or absence because doing back-to-back -back classes, three academic hour and a half classes in one day, that is so mentally draining, even for somebody who's at 100% health-wise. Um, and there were sometimes I'd, I'd be in the middle of the class, I'd be trying to stay awake. I'd be... <laughs> like moving around, fidgeting in my chair, just trying to stay awake because the fatigue was still so present. Um, so I would say easier path to incomplete, maybe a more flexible um, absence schedule and just um, maybe alternative options, extra credit options to, to make up for attendance, which is very, very important in a lot of Spelman classes. Yeah, those are some really great suggestions, Tasha. And also hearing your story, it disappoints me and it's so disturbing how harmful grades are. Like to hear just how hard you were working and and then to have a professor be like, oh yeah, it's a C. How grades don't even compensate all the nights at 4 a.m. staying yeah. up the way that you had to help yourself, the way that you had to persevere and take care. Grades don't account for the ableism that they just allow. So yeah, in this time, in this pandemic too, grades are so harmful to students. And you know, if we talk about like, this is also fall semester was our return back to campus and Spellman decided to take away pass or fail. Ugh. Child. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely terrible. Like I, I think I, the the world. How do I even go about talking about just how much about COVID has been mishandled, or just not handled at all? Not even there wasn't even an attempt to make lives easier for students. And this is something that I've been advocating for in terms of my food, housing, and transportation work. Um, you all have probably seen me on campus and 
you know, see me and a bunch of my other organizer friends. But this is part of what we've been talking to administration about. There has to be like, like it's we're in a pandemic. Like you all can take as much grace for yourselves as like professors and administrators as you want. Of course, there's limits to that, but like you have far more freedom of, you know, figuring out ways to re to to rework your syllabus or uh, reorganize how you're going to do work. We have a very limited time here, very, very limited time here. And as students, there's like a level of like protection and just flexibility that we aren't necessarily afforded because like we're not the ones with we don't give out grades we're not the ones that determine who graduates it's the administration and the faculty that get to determine that and with that we are in a very uh, like a in a in a particularly vulnerable situation especially given covid because everybody's in a vulnerable situation with covid but the folks who give out grades they can protect their vulnerability course to an extent recognizing that there's an extent to that but you you have your sick days your vacation days your sabbatical all that all that all that whereas we gotta we gotta we get sick we stay out we come back and get a c on a paper that we still worked really hard for once again so sorry to hear that tasha like like joke is saying these grades speak nothing to to the hard work and resilience that we put into all of this but um i think that we we've talked a lot about covid um covid and spellman and spellman's like uh, i think we've talked a lot about what it's like to deal with covid in this academic setting but i want to think about how do we how do we work through this issue of trying to think about safety without promoting blame and ostracism. Like, nobody chooses to get COVID. Like, every, like, like there's no one who, like, like at, at, no one chooses to get COVID. We're all trying to be careful, or I guess that's a little bit of an overstatement because some people aren't trying to be careful. Like Tasha says, some people walk around here like there's nothing going on. <laughs> but how do we, like, think through and work through the fact that like this is a pandemic and people are going to get sick there are people who get who wear their mask everywhere they go barely even leave the house and still get covid because they had to go to the grocery store what do we do like how do we get people you know encourage people to mask up encourage people to social distance and everything without being like oh you got covid you didn't do the right things you you got COVID. Oh, you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done that. And just thinking through a better approach to uh, co to getting people to be safe without being rude. <laughs> yeah, I think one it starts with listening to people who have COVID and who have experienced it. Tasha, you mentioned something that. Um, was so true and so important. You talked about how like you had conversations with other students who contracted COVID-19 after class when nobody was around in secret. I think um, uh, 
on campus, in our culture, we're always like, you know, we want to get an official expert approved and certified opinion on COVID-19. But I think it's also so important, at least when leading our campus culture, to listen to the students who are most impacted. Students like you, Tasha, because um, we don't know what it's like to quarantine for a month. We don't know what it's like to come back after we've been down bad in the dumps, you know, fighting all these demons and medical issues. So I think one is starts like leaning into and loving on people who've actually gotten COVID-19. Taking a step back and reflecting on our ableism, um, our classism, our anti-blackness, and, you know, listening. I agree. And it's so interesting because even after talking to people, people who hadn't contracted COVID, um, like I was in the middle of a group project and everyone in my group project was very kind. One of them was the person who had said those things to me, um, who had contracted COVID previously. But the other person was like, don't worry about everything because I was, I had personally missed a group me message and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, hey guys, so sorry for not responding for about a week. I've been sick <laughs> in the bed and coming back and seeing you in person, she said, I just wanted to make sure you're okay. How are you doing? Don't feel bad. Like we can work through whatever the project hasn't finished yet. We can fit you in wherever you need to be. Um, and so it was just that type of um, grace where it wasn't even like, oh, how'd you get it? Oh, when'd you get it? Those questions that I was sort of expecting because I was already blaming myself and I was already like ostracizing myself a little bit um, internally. So um, I feel like people are already doing that when they contract it. Unless if they don't do that, I feel like they're low key like on a different way but um <laughs> like, like if you're just going around like yeah i got covid uh, and what you gonna okay, do about it that's cool <laughs> right and i was like that's awesome i i really wish i could be like that um I'm trying to but get, there's like, that already like pre my boy um <laughs> but that ingrained shame um from the beginning of the pandemic and now with these new and then also being vaccinated and then contracting it. I remember I, my grandmother called it like the new summer of love, like after everybody got their vaccinations and they were out in the streets, outdoor dining, running in the park, um, and everybody was super happy. And then like Omicron hit, but um, like being, having both of your vaccinations for months and then contracting it, it's just like, darn flab it like <laughs> what in the <Yeah>. world <laughs> um and so I think like Joe was saying like talking to people who have had it and making sure and giving them that space and knowing that you aren't blaming them because they're already doing that to themselves to a certain degree like they're already rethinking how could I have done this differently rethinking the moment or like figuring out how they caught it who they caught it from um like who they might have given it to, things like that. Making those calls is so hard. Yeah. Making making those calls and being like, hi, I just was positive. I know I was with you two to three days ago. 
and I wasn't showing symptoms, but I just want you to know, or I thought it was a cold. In my case, I thought it was a cold and then I lost my sense of smell and I was like, oh no. <laughs> and so I had to inform everyone and it was just, it's so awkward calling my mom at home, her telling my grandma, her telling my aunt. It's just like, and in a, in a, a bit of me, it felt like I was letting them down. So they didn't blame me or anything. They were very understanding, but yes, definitely making the space and the time for people to share their stories. So it still isn't continuously being mystified um, in the public like sphere for sure. Yes, Tasha. I think also like you give room to care I, this semester, I really tried my hardest to be that group member or that partner in school who was not going to give you a hard time if you got COVID and were in this little group project together. One of my partners in one of my classes, she contracted COVID and she like, she kept saying, she kept apologizing and she kept saying like, yeah. oh, Joe, I know that you're like so annoyed with me because I haven't done this, that, and the third. Um, Joe, I should get you an edible arrangement for how you're showing up. I was like, girl, please, please. I just, I just want you to feel better. I don't want you to really think about this project because in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing. It means nothing. So if I can do it and if I can help you get it done, I'm just happy that you're able to show up for this, um, for this Zoom presentation. Uh, I was also going to suggest um, to folks if you can, be that person in the classroom who's advocating for different options, for alternatives. Um, when yes. my partner got COVID, I suggested to my teacher, like, could we do the project a week out? And then also, could we both, like, record it on Zoom before and then I'll present it in class? There are ways to still include people who are able to, you know, present and work. Um, it does not have to be the end of the world. You do not have to be inflexible. Like, things can get done. And it, I think it, at the end of the day, it's about care and creativity. Because we've, we've done it before. We can continue to do yeah. it. Capitalism really takes the fun out of everything capitalism takes the creativity out of everything the care out of everything like we should be excited to care for our community members in a way that they can heal we should be happy at the opportunity to to like figure to figure things out to help each other like carry each other's loads um of course, like, I don't want one person to be carrying all the load at one time and everything, but, like, we all talk about this Spelman community and all this other stuff. Why does the community stop when someone gets this virus that is literally, that literally evolves so that more people can catch it? Like, there shouldn't be this huge pressure for folks experiencing COVID. Like, it's enough. It's enough. Like, the healing process is enough on its own. I think that COVID has, has done so many interesting things, but COVID plus capitalism has 
caused a very strange lack of care for other people. And because like we've made contracting COVID such a thing of morality and like, oh, you did something wrong to get COVID. Like, be, and, and you know, we have these very carceral ideas of you do something wrong so you get punished and COVID is your punishment if you, you know, COVID is a punishment so you must have done something wrong. We engage in a lot of blame. We engage in a lack of care. Um, when really we should we should jump at the opportunity to to allow someone to heal, to allow someone to recover, because like this is part of just living in a society too, like disease, illness, sickness. This is a fact of being social social creatures. The extent, of course, the extent to which people get this, that, and the other has a lot of other variables of course but like this is disease this is this is illness this is this is a part this is a fact of life and like we're going to need that kind of grace and care at some point because we're going to get sick sickness happens to everyone in different ways i got the flu over uh over winter break worst thing in the world but had i have had i gotten the flu you know during school i would hope that someone would be willing to care for me and help and help me heal in the ways that I need to heal and also help me not to put my entire academic career um at risk so yeah I think that I think that we just have to remember the care and creativity that a community like Spelman is supposed to promote so Ananda like you're saying uh, sickness is always going to be here. There's a scholar named Shay Gossip. They're the only black trans femme in the academy, and they do lots of work around HIV AIDS and how this epidemic um, has impacted so many um, black and brown people. Not only at the height of the HIV AIDS epidemic in the 90s, but it continues to persist. They have a term um, where they talk about how HIV, AIDS, and now COVID, they're not historically contained to like specific timelines. These pandemics, these epidemics will continue. The sickness will continue to impact black and brown people at vulnerable, drastic rates because we live in a culture that is very anti-black, capitalist, ableist, and the list goes on and on and on. So when we leave this conversation, we want everyone to know that, you know, another pandemic unfortunately will come. Sickness will come. And it's all of our responsibility to respond with care with the daily commitment and desire to do something around ableism, to dismantle it, around capitalism yeah. and anti-blackness, because these things don't go away. Um, so, you know, with the Spelman community, y'all, we have to do better. We have to listen. We have to actually organize around, around these things, because, again, another pandemic will come. It'll have a new name and a devastating impact on our community. But we have to be first responders. We have to be advocates and change makers in our own way. Absolutely. So, y'all, 
I thank you for this great conversation today. Tasha, thank you for laying so much on the line, telling us about your experience, and then also enlightening me in so many different ways. Ananda, would you want to take us out? Tasha, please feel free to share any last words. Honestly, just be kind, be careful, um, and be aware. The things that we can do to reduce our likelihood of getting COVID or of getting extremely detrimentally ill, we should do. Like getting boosted, keeping the mask on, get tested so you can keep up with whether or not you have COVID and um, whether or not you need to tell people about their risks as a result of interacting with you. And there's also different ways that we need to be involved as a society, right? So there are different forms of political action that we can do, like engaging in different activist efforts and voting. There's also different ways that we can get our feet on the ground in terms of like dispensing PPE to different communities and, um, and just sharing the resources that we have with other people. So y'all, it's so important to do your part. And with that, we're out of here. Thank you for another amazing episode. And if you love listening to the Blue Record Podcast, check out the rest of our episodes on all your favorite streaming platforms. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can check out the Blue Record blog on our website. Follow The Blue Record on Instagram and Twitter at The Blue Record. And stay tuned. Bye. Bye. Bye.